All right, amen. Hey, I want to welcome everybody today. It is good to be back, and, and it's good to see everybody, and, and it's good that um, we're, we're starting to be able to get folks back in, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do here in our church in this upcoming year, and, and as we do, um, I, want to, I want to mention a couple of things as we get rolling. One, uh, we have some folks in our church who are heading over to Liberia. This week, Dave and Trudy Peterson, Sylvia Reynolds, and then uh, Tim and Gabe Bruno are, are going to meet them over there. But um, as they go, uh, I know many of you have given. They're going to be passing out Bibles in schools there, and, and these are schools that they've all uh, gone to. Some of them, uh, some folks in our church have helped build, actually, the, uh, Sylvia and and um, Trudy are going to be teaching, and Tim are going to be teaching at African Bible College over uh, for this early semester coming in, training uh, future pastors there and teachers to go out and, and to make a difference in, in the uh, local areas there. And so you can pray for them, and then Dave is going to be involved in some construction thing. They're still building a, um, helping building a school for the deaf there as well. So it's, it's a great opportunity that we have to, to pray for them and to be a part of what's going on as, as they go and serve over there. And I also want to thank all of the people who made our Christmas Eve service a success. It, it was, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, it was crazy. I, I plan on getting down here a couple of hours early. I got here an hour and a half early um, so that we could have all the technology stuff going because we had four different things happening. We had it in here. We had it live stream. Then we had a live stream that was playing outside for people to do outside. Plus we did drive in FM transmitter. So that was enough electronics to sink any ship. And, and, um, we had it all set up. Everything was going Monday night, Tuesday night. I was here when, when they were practicing and I got it, you know, everything was going and, and I switched over and had it on my computer instead of Greg's computer. Thursday went out there, flipped on the projector, nothing. And, you know, we had guys come here and they built this humongous screen, you know, 16 foot big and, and, and everything. And I'm just sitting here going, no, this can't be. So I'm in here getting Greg's computer, swapping it for mine, thinking, well, it's got to be my computer's not talking to it right. So we'll, we'll use his. Then I couldn't figure out the password for it. it. Took about two or three trips to figure that out. You know, get all the capitalizations and stuff. Who has that many capital? You know, who has a password on the computer that strong? So anyway, um, you know, what happened to one, two, three, four? But, um, but anyway, um, anyway, we, uh, we, we, you know, did that. Finally, I'm sitting here. So literally at seven o'clock, I'm sitting here looking at it. And, and by the way, in the, we had a lamp failure on the projector and some other stuff. I could go on for hours. Uh, but anyway, we get this thing going. And finally, we're sitting there going, I have no idea. And, and you know, I'm looking at Greg. I said, I think this adapter's bad. And and Greg, he goes, we've got another one. I said, you got to be kidding me. You're kidding. We literally have the second adapter. And we did. And we plugged it in and everything worked. And I came in here and I don't remember anything else about the whole night. <laughs> Not a thing. But I'll just say that I've had several people say it was great and, and, um, and thank you and, and so forth. And there were many people who were involved in making that happen as well as, you know, Trudy did a great job as, as always putting that thing together and planning. So it, it was absolutely amazing. And, and I want to thank everybody who had a part in that to make it a success because it took a whole bunch of people. <clears throat> 
So as we move in in, in this year, I want, I want us to think, and I'd like, I'd like to encourage you to memorize Romans 5, 8. It's really simple. It's, it's just a few words. Let's say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. About 16, 17 words. You can do that. Everybody can do that. But, but Romans 5, 8, is, I think it really encapsulates the gospel, the, the love of God, the heart of God, the, the plan of God. I mean, everything in there. If, if you want to take one and pull it in and, and kind of understand who God is, I think it really, it really distills it down. And in that, in, in Romans 5.8, Paul said, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's absolutely amazing. It, it is off the charts when you think about the, the love of God and the extent of the love of God and how great his love is for us. So, so as we come in and, and we begin a new year and, and, and we come in and, and, you know, I know a lot of people said, you know, 2021 will be better than 2020. Look, I want to tell you, it's not going to be any different than 2019 or 2023. Uh, our problem is the same now as it's always been and it's sin and, and it's not going to change is not going to change. The thing that's going to change is our hearts and the way that we view it and the way that we see it. And we've got a nation in turmoil. We've got many things going on. But I'm telling you, we need to put our, bas- our eggs in the basket of Jesus. That's the basket that is the fix and the cure. And anything else is noise. It's just noise. And, and we, need to, we need to filter it out and we need to focus on the God who made us, who created us, to know him, to love him, to experience him, to enjoy him, to make him known, to delight in him, to have him infiltrate every aspect of our lives, to move us to where he created us to be. The God who came and showed his love for us in this, that while we were his enemies, while we hated his guts, while we had nothing that we wanted to do with him, while we rebelled against him, while we fought, while we fought tooth and nail, while we kicked against the goads, while we did everything else, he said, I love you so much that in all of your rebellion against me, in all of your disdain for me, in all of your indifference towards me, I died for you. I died for you. And and I want us to make that the, the theme of who we are as we come in. And we're going to move in to the book of Hosea next week. And, and before we moved into the book of Hosea, um, as I was praying about this, studying it, <clears throat> Romans 5.8 came up, just kind of, yeah, it's a picture of Romans 5.8. And finally I said, you know what? I want to go over Romans 5.8 and just say that if you understand Romans 5.8, Hosea is going to be a piece of cake. Because Hosea reflects Romans 5.8. It's just that picture of this God that we know and serve who has redeemed us and, and come for us. So I want to encourage you over the next few weeks, read through the book of Hosea over and over again. Read it in two or three different translations so you can get some different sense of it. And, and stuff, it's not long. It's 14 chapters long. You can do it in 20 to 30 minutes and do it very thoughtfully and even take notes along the way if you do that. So it's very simple. It's, it's a great read. And, and honestly, it would be a, a great thing to replace Facebook. So, you know, I mean, anything would be great to replace that, right? But, um, but anyway, um, you know, you, you can do that and, and replace the news or something else with, with the story of God, the picture of God, the love of God, the extravagance of God, and, and come in there. So in, in, in Hosea, the overarching picture is the extravagant grace and love of God. 
That's really what it is. It's what it boils down to. Romans 5.8, as I've already said, distills it to its very essence, and that's where we're going to begin. It's familiar, but it has a lot of implications for us. So Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I want to just take a phrase by phrase. The first thing is God shows. And God shows God makes his love known. God makes his love for us evident. God shows. He makes his love evident. He visually makes it evident for us. God's love is not some strange concept that's difficult to describe. It's, it's really very simple. It's crystal clear. The love of God is crystal clear. There's nothing questionable about it. John 3.16 is probably the most familiar declaration of God's love that you've seen or heard. And and it just says that that His love has been made available to all who will follow Him, all who will come after Him. The demonstration of His love is how He gave. He demonstrated it by giving, by coming and giving. And we think about sacrificial acts of kindness. We think about doing, you know, giving back or whatever you want to call it. And, and giving to others or, or charity or anything else. But I want to tell you something. God's sacrificial display of love is beyond imagination. The sacrificial love of God that's been shown to us in Christ Jesus is beyond our imagination. It's really beyond our comprehension. It's, it's something that's far beyond anything that we could ever think or imagine. You might give up your life for someone close to you, but would you die for your enemy? Would you die for the person who hates you? Would you die for the person who can't stand you? Would you die for the person who wants to destroy you? And, and what Paul said in the verses before this is, no, no, that, that doesn't happen. Maybe you might die for someone who's close to you, your family member, for, for someone who's righteous and good, but, but not, not for your enemy. And yet, if we think about this and, and we talk and say, why are you talking about you know, the people who hate God? And, well, that's who we are. We were all... We were all enemies of God. That's where we start off. We start off as enemies of God. We start off alienated from Him. We start off with sin in our lives. Sin has separated us from God. It it prevents us from knowing God, from pleasing God, from experiencing God, from from tasting God, from from anything else. It, It prevents us from even reaching out to Him. It is the great separator. It has blinded our eyes and darkened our hearts to where we can't come in to his presence. Yet, <clears throat> Colossians 1, and 22 put it this way, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Isn't that amazing? We, at one time, were hostile doing evil deeds And he's now reconciled us by his body through death to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before God. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his sons, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You see, it's one thing to talk about love. It's one thing to tell someone you love them. It's another thing to show it. Words are cheap. Actions speak volumes, though. The way that we live, the things that we do, the way that we show things is amazing. And and this is what God has done. He didn't just tell us about it. He showed us. He showed us. God shows 
His love for us. So that's the second thing, um, His love. What did He show? He showed His love, and His love reflects His character. God's love reflects His character. If you want to know who God is, God's, God's character is expressed in love. He is a God of love. It's God's love that's on display. In Romans 5, 8, that's the display. Jesus on the cross is the display of God's love. It's the ultimate experience or ultimate picture of that. It's a love that reflects his character. It's a love that is not conditioned on our response to him or our love for him. Um, God doesn't love us so that we'll love him back. God doesn't love us so that we'll do something for us. He loves us because he is love. We've had several babies in here today. We had a couple of brand new ones in the early service. Um, and, and, and I think we got some in here in the second one. And, and by the way, I love that. I think that's amazing. But, but I want to tell you something. People don't have babies because they need to be loved. They have babies because they do love. Think about it. Marriage is, is a man and a woman coming together in a covenant of love, a commitment of their lives to one another. And and out of that love for one another, life comes. It's a beautiful picture that God has shown us in his word. It's a picture of God's love towards us, his covenant love towards us. And, And my wife and I, we have three children. We didn't have them so that we would be loved. We had plenty of love happening already. And, and now that we're empty nesters, we still got plenty of love. We're doing just fine. But, but the thing about it is, is that love is something that expresses itself. And God loves us not because he needs our love, but because he is love, because he does love. In 1 John four sixteen, it says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So he, he just shows, he says, look, this is love. This is love. This is God. And if you love, you have to be in God. This is God is the one that enables us. He is the one who enables us to love. And 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Pretty simple, isn't it? Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So God relentlessly pursued unfaithful Israel. When we come into the book of Hosea, we're going to see the relentless pursuit of God, the relentless pursuit of Israel by God, and he rescued her from her bondage. You go back through the scriptures and you read in the early pages of the Bible that, that um, the, the children of Israel, they went into exile in Egypt. They become slaves in Egypt and out of Egypt in their pain and their suffering, they cry out to God and God comes and redeems them. He pulls them out of slavery and brings them into makes them into this nation of Israel and he gives them this land and he gives them this place and he says, you're going to live in houses you didn't build and drink from vineyards you didn't plant and and harvest food that you didn't plant and and it's going to be a land of milk and honey and this is what takes place he has done this and and she rejected his love when you come into the 8th century BC within 500 years she has rejected his love but God would not relent God is relentlessly pursuing people today who are currently his enemies so that they can experience his love and make him known. 
I mean, the, the same God who chased after Israel in the 8th century BC is chasing after us today. He's chasing after those who are his enemies today. He has shown his love for them and and he makes it known. And Gomer and Hosea um, are are this amazing picture of this, this, this lived out picture of it. Hosea marries Gomer. He redeems her out of her brokenness, out of her prostitution, her, her harlotry. He redeems her, makes her his wife. And, and the story opens up and, and begins to see, and you see this, and then all of a sudden the story goes south. He has children, Jezreel. He has a child named Unloved. He has a child named Not My People. It's not even my son. And then we see it go on from there, and Gomer leaves him. And then Gomer, when she reaches the bottom of the barrel, Gomer is on the auction block. She's gone so far down into the depths of sin that that she is being sold off as a slave. There's nothing left in her life. And who comes after her to redeem her? It's Hosea. It's Hosea. Not only does Hosea come and redeem her, Hosea puts his whole reputation on the line to do it. Hosea, prophet of the Almighty God, redeeming the wife who left him, who spurned his love, who rejected him. And that's the picture. God shows his love because he is a God of love. And he went and bought her back. And this is the picture in Romans 5.8. Jesus came and bought us back. He bought us back. We are Gomer. Israel is Gomer. And, and this is the love. So as we come in and we look at this picture, it's amazing. In, in Hosea 11, 4, it says, I led them with cords of kindness and with the hands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke of their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. Think of the pictures of that, of, of, of the, the care, the love. The tenderness of God reaching down to these people. And he's saying this. You see, God shows his love for us. He has reached out toward us. And and he did this when we were unable to even think about him. You see, Gomer, when you come to the story, she wasn't looking for a man. That that wasn't exactly on uh, on her plate. She wasn't looking for a prophet to come pull her out of prostitution. But Hosea came and gave her a chance to have a whole different life. In Romans 3, 10 through 12, it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good not even one. So this is the picture and this is the love of God. He is reaching out to people who are not reaching out to him. He is coming for us when we were not going after him. He offers us his love. So God shows his love in that while we were still sinners, in that while we were still sinners, God's love is undeserved. It's undeserved. God didn't come for good people. God didn't come for people who are kind of a step above the rest. God didn't come for people who don't have baggage. God didn't come for people who hadn't messed up, who don't have things that are shameful in their lives. He came for all of us. He came for all of us. 
He came that while we were still sinners, while we were mired in our sin, God intervened. While we were enemies of God, He came towards us. He did for us what we can never do for ourselves. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Hosea shows unconditional love when he buys back the enslaved wife who deserted him. She definitely didn't deserve it. It was a gift of grace, and it reflects the grace and the mercy of God. He was calling a nation who had deserted him to return to him. And honestly, God is calling our nation to return to him. And we're not going to do it at the ballot box. We're not going to do it anywhere else. We're going to do it as we return our hearts to God and our desires to God and our love to God. So Hosea shows this and, and he calls a nation to return. And then the next thing is, is God shows his love to us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Christ died for us for us. God's love is made known at the greatest personal cost. God made his love known at the greatest personal cost. He paid the price. He didn't ask us to earn the way. He didn't ask us to to build up a savings to buy the way. He didn't come into any of that. God did it all. Christ died for us. Jesus died for his enemies. In 1 John 4.10, it says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now look, I'm, I'm guessing that less than half the people in the room can define propitiation. And I always have to think about it, so don't feel bad. It's a big word. It's a big theological word. But it's one of the most important words in the Bible. Propitiation means this. Just stop and put it here. If you've got judgment and wrath over on this side, and holiness and righteousness. On this side, you've got grace, mercy, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness. And these two things appear to be opposites. Judgment and wrath and love and mercy don't belong in the same conversation, do they? Yet when you talk about God, they belong together. Because God is a God of judgment. He is a God of wrath. He is a God who must punish sin. He is a righteous and holy judge. He is a God who will uphold his holiness and his righteous laws. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace. He is a God of love. He is a God of kindness. He is a God who gives second chances. But these two things are still polar opposites and something has to happen to bring those together and what happened is is Jesus became the object of God's wrath on the cross Jesus bore our sin Jesus paid the punishment for every wicked deed that's ever taken place in my life for every wicked deed that took place in your life Jesus offers to pay the penalty for that. Because holy and righteous God must punish sin. 
We understand that. We understand a judicial law in our nation. We understand that those who storm our capital must face severe punishment. Because to do any less would be foolish. To do any less would say we're not a nation of laws. We're a nation of craziness. So that would be done. We understand that. We see that. As, as, as rational people, we understand that. Whether we agree with someone's politics or not, we don't, we don't settle our differences in these ways. We understand that. It's the same thing with God. Same thing. God is holy and just. And God will punish sin. So the only way for, for God's grace and mercy to take place was for God himself to become the object of his own wrath. And he paid the penalty for my sin. He paid our sin debt. He died on the cross. So that's what, when you come in and you see that word propitiation, in this is love. It's not that we loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent his son so that we could be made holy and blameless in the sight of God. Wow. Wow, isn't that great? I mean, you ever, you, you ever have things pop up and go, man, I just wish I never would have done that. She says, I've got it covered. You need to forget what you were and look at what I've made you to be. Because I love you. And I care about you. And I have a hope and a future for you. In 1 Peter 3.18 it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So, so he takes us from death to life. You see, we just finished the Christmas season. It, it's over with. As a matter of fact, going through, if you go in the store, you're going to see like the 50% of the 50% of the 50% off sale. You know, it's the stuff, or just take it. We can't hold it anymore. And, and, and you'll come in and, and you'll see some things around. You'll see maybe some lights around or a Christmas tree here and there that hasn't come down. But they're all coming down pretty quick. It's all dropping. And the Christmas decorations are going away because we've moved on. But I want to tell you what. We'll never move on. We'll never move on from God becoming a man and living among us and walking on this earth and doing a sinful life. And, and it is the essence of what God came for. Christmas is the essence of what God came for. He came so that He could die. God became a man so that he could die on a cross and bear our sin so that we might have the opportunity to be made holy and blameless before God and to know him. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He died in our place. He ransomed us. He freed us from bondage to sin because there was no good thing in us. He made us holy and blameless in his sight. He adopted us to be his sons and daughters into his family. And he has given us a new hope for today and for the future. That, that's what it is. That's the story of God. Christ died for us. That's, that's what it is for. And, and Hosea is a crazy, crazy picture of the love of God. And Hosea, you know, you think, man, Hosea, 8th century B.C., I mean, how many years, how do you even count the years back? Well, it, it's real simple. It was 2,722 years ago. No, 2,792 years ago. It was a while back. He spanned about 50 years. 
He spanned about 50 years. Hosea's ministry goes from from, uh, 760 B.C. to about 710 B.C., give or take a little bit. But that is an amazing slice of history. That is a slice of history. If you went into the, to the 8th century B.C. in the northern kingdom in Israel, in those 10 tribes, and you went to Samaria, you know what you would see? Modern day America. Modern day America. You would see a nation that had never been wealthier. Never. They were prosperous. They had every everything you could imagine to have in their day and time. They were more prosperous than in the days of Solomon and the days of David. They had everything. But they were dissatisfied. They were looking for something. They were seeking after things. They were trying to find satisfaction in everything that there was around them except for God. They had turned from God. They had rejected God. They had rejected His plans and purposes for their lives. They had rejected His love. They had rejected His holiness. They had rejected His word. They had rejected everything that there was about Him. And this is when God steps into the fray. God tells this prophet Hosea, this young man who is single that it's time to take a wife and I want you to go take a wife of whoredom because my people have whored after other gods. And I want you to marry her and I want you to have children with her and I want you to do this so that my people can see that I want to redeem them and I want to bring them back and I want them, after they've whored after their gods, to come back to a covenant relationship with me, to love me, to experience me, to know me, to to understand who I am and to see the things that I've given to them and, and why it is and who they are. And it is an amazing picture as you come and you look at it and you see it. And I want to encourage you to read that story this week. You may go, wow, man, I've never heard stuff like that said in church. Well, look, it's in the Bible. And by the way, sometimes we don't say things quite, quite as strongly, but I want to tell you what, God doesn't mince words. God does not mince words. And this is how he's done it. So when we come into Romans 5.8, Romans 5.8, you go, wow, man, this is getting bad. Well, no, Romans 5.8 is beautiful. Here's what it says. But God shows his love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God comes to us in the midst of all of our sin and shame, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our turning to other stuff, in the midst of our forgetting who we are, in the midst of every last bit of it, and says, hey, I want you to be mine. I want to restore our relationship. I want it to be what I created you to be. Because my love for you is over the top. And I've shown it. And I desire you. You see, Jesus' love is beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our comprehension. I'll never comprehend the love of God. As much as I try... As many times as I've read the Bible through, as much stuff as I've studied, I still can't get a grasp on it. Because it's infinitely bigger than my little bitty brain. But this is what I do know. He's made it known to me in a real and personal way. And maybe today, 
you've never heard it said like that before. Maybe today you've never considered that God has made his love known to us in a real and personal way. It's not a story. It's, it's not a thing. It's a God. It's a God who has stepped into humanity. It's a God who stepped into our pain. It's a God who loves you right now, right where you are, with all of your baggage and everything that's going on in your life. And, and, and you may think, you know what? If you really knew me, you would not say that. I want to tell you what. I don't have to know you. And I don't have to know your baggage. Jesus died on a cross knowing every detail of your life. Every last one. And this is how you know what love is. He did it anyway. He did it anyway. I mean, isn't that great? I mean, isn't that great? I mean, think about it. Can you think of a better deal? Can you think of a better thing? Can you think of a more encouraging thing for 2021? Can you think of a more encouraging thing for our nation? Can you think of a more encouraging thing for your marriage, for your family, for your relationships around you? No, there is none. There is none. Because Jesus came for us. God has reached out to redeem us. In all of our burdens, and all of our hurts, and all of our sorrows, we can pour them out to Him and know that He hears us. We can draw near to Him and know that He draws near to us. We can reach out to Him and experience Him. And, and you can come and move from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. Move from being someone who does not know God to a son or a daughter of God. You can take all of the baggage of your life and lay it at the foot of the cross and what God says is, I will take their sins and I will remove them and I will not hold them against them. I will remove their sins and remember them no more. He's not going to dig up the past. He's not going to leverage your past. He's going to say, you know what? I've done it. We are moving forward. From near forth, you are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. You are my family member. And we are one. I have a new hope and a new future for you. If you're wondering, you're saying, you know what, that's what I want today, I want to tell you it's very simple. It's, it's, it's just plant your feet firmly on this back. There is a God in heaven who became a man. He walked on this earth 33 years, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He died on that cross, paid the penalty for your sin. Three days later, he rose to life from the tomb, conquering sin and death. And he says, if you will stake your life on that and follow me, I will change you forever and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will always belong to me. I will change your heart. I will change your desires. I will change who you are and I will move you to where I created you to be. And there's no better place. So I want to encourage you, if you've never done that today, I want to encourage you to do it. You say, you know, can, I, can you help me with it? Yeah, I can help you with it. You can come down here when we're singing a song and say, hey, help me out. I want to pray today. I want to know Jesus. I want to leave here today knowing that I'm a child of God. Um, you, you don't leave here without making that known, without contacting or, or talking to the person you came with, talking to me or, or one of the people here in our church. Just say, look, I need to know this because there is nothing better that can ever happen in our lives than to meet Jesus and to know him and to to experience him and for the rest of us those if, if you have followed Jesus we need to remind ourselves day after day after day after day that we have a God who has shown his love for us that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives he desires for us to know him he desires for us to experience him he desires for us to make him known and he desires to shape and mold our lives so that we can be everything that he created to be 
It's not about doing a bunch of rules. It's not about following this, following that, do, do, do. It's about knowing God and desiring Him. It's so much bigger. It's the grace and the mercy of God that He wants us to experience. And He wants to take us into a whole different realm. Let's pray. Father, we come before you praising you for your love, for your blessings, for your goodness and kindness. Father, we praise you because you are a God who is beyond our comprehension, yet you've come and you've reached out to us. You've stepped out in a way that we can see and that we can grasp and that we can respond to. And Father, I pray today that that, um, each person in this room would openly and honestly assess their lives before you, that we would each look at ourselves in light of who you are and your love for us. And Father, that we would leave here today changed, looking with hope toward the future and to what you want to do within us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?